Hi, this is Carrie Ann Reed Brown, and this is Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm your host. If this is the first time listening, my name is Carrie Ann. And today, our guest is Gael. Gael, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So I met Gael a few weeks ago at the Africa Future Summit, and we got to talking about what she does and invited her on the podcast. So Gael, why don't you tell the community a little bit about who you are, Caribbean country you represent, and some of what you do? Yeah, so my name is Gael. Um, my family's from Haiti, so for those who are Haitian, Sapase. Um, so I've been in the recruiting industry for the past 10 years now, and I just recently decided to start my own staffing firm right here in Manhattan. Um, I am the founder and CEO of UCARE Staffing. And what we do is we specialize in direct hire staffing solutions while giving back to the community. So for example, um, for every successful placement that's made, um, the portion of the sales will go towards people who are battling pancreatic cancer and diabetes. Because uh, unfortunately, my dad passed away with that. Um, also go towards helping ho- uh, low-income families with uh, fresh food um, within the five boroughs. And last but not least, the money also goes towards rescuing homeless animals in New York City. Because I rescued one that changed my life. So that's where I stand um, at the moment. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. And that's exactly what Gael told me. And I'm like, yeah, you need to be on the podcast. (laughs) So let's talk about, you know, the staffing company. And, you know, someone might be listening like staffing companies. Those still exist in the age of, you know, LinkedIn and the age of, um, you know, whatever job board is out there. Um, Where does a staffing company fit. I remember when I've always used staffing companies for a very long time. So tell me a little bit about the landscape. Sure. So uh, believe it or not, the staffing industry is still growing, uh, super lucrative. Um, As you know, when I mentioned at the Africa Future Summit, um, the staffing industry is actually projected to make uh, an additional $4.3 million in 2020 right? So I wanted to go into the industry kind of revamping a few things that I wasn't really happy about. And one of the things that um, that I had a huge problem with is the lack of empathy in the industry, um, especially with third-party um, staffing companies where they're so commission-driven. They're only, they only care about making a placement and making a paycheck. They don't consider, um, hey, you're in Boston and you're relocating, relocating to New York city and not thinking about, or not factoring in your family, how it's affecting them or um, affecting your new lifestyle. Now, when you're relocating to a new position, knowing that that position is not even a good fit. All they care about is when is my next paycheck? Mm-hmm. How many people I can place this month? So at the time I felt like, you know, after losing my father as well, in my mind, uh, life was too short. And I wanted to be the change I wanted to see in the world. So that's why I started You Care Staffing, because not only we care about, you know, finding, you, you know, your dream candidate, but we also want to find candidates their dream jobs, right? Treating both of them as clients. 
Um, and, you know, worst case scenario, I interviewed a few people who I felt like I couldn't help them. I would refer them to other agencies because I honestly don't see them as competitors. It's more like I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. Because at the end of the day, um, these job seekers are human. And they just, it's really, really hard out. It's really hard to find a job these days. So um, as much as I want to help them, if I can't, I'm more than happy to refer them to a different company. That's pretty much it. Just, you know, making sure that we're ethical and being empathetic with people's situations when they're seeking for a job. Right. So let's take a step back, right? So the job, the job hunt cycle, and it's like, hey, I'm interested. I want a new job. And I could go to any one of these job boards and there's a job I like. And oftentimes a job could be posted by the company directly Mm -hmm. or by a recruiting, uh, a staffing company like yourself, Mm -hmm. trying to fill a role for an employer that has hired you to find candidates. So those are typically the two things that we see when, if you go on a job board, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what, okay. So other than the empathy, let's start with the candidate. So, so most of us listening on the the podcast, we'd be the candidates, not necessarily the employer, or maybe we have some HR specialists where we would work with you to find candidates. So let's take it from the perspective of I'm someone and I'm looking for a job. The first phase is, and, and, and it's interesting you said that jobs are hard to find, yet we are constantly hearing that people can't find, you know, employers can't find people for the jobs that they yeah. have. Mm-hmm. So what's the first thing that I or anyone listening needs to consider or, or do when we've decided, you know what, I need to find a new job? Right. So I guess it all depends on the industry and... Um your position, right? From my experience, I would say it's very important to establish a really good relationship with a recruiter that you can trust, especially if they specialize in your industry. Um, just, you know, doing your due diligence, researching the staffing firm that they're representing on Glassdoor or Google, um, what are other candidates saying about this company, right? Um, I also tell candidates um, it's good to work with one recruiter, but at the same time, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because one recruiter network might be different than another recruiter, right? So, mm-hmm. but we want to focus on quality versus quantity. So it's very important that um, I would say the max would be two to three recruiters because what's going to happen is if you're working with too many recruiters, especially the ones who are not ethical, they will send or submit your resume to any opportunity that's in front of them to see if the hiring manager will hire, hire anyone that they send. So right now they're, they're operating as a factory and not more so as a strategic recruitment firm. So I would, as a kid, I would do the diligence to see if the recruiter is a good fit for you, if they can find what you're looking for in the beginning of the year, because it is a little challenging to find a job around the summertime because mm-hmm. a lot of the hiring managers are, most likely taking vacation, they're out of the office a lot, you know, some organizations have, you know, summer Fridays, they're not in on, you know, on Friday, they only work four days versus five. So you want to just consider all those um, obstacles when you're searching for a position. That's why it's very important to establish that relationship at the beginning of the year, talk about your career goals and what you're looking for. Um, So this way you have a good head start on the job search. 
in addition to that, I feel like because I'll use human resources as an example, mm-hmm. human resources is a very saturated industry. So when you're submitting a resume on a job board, what is going to make you different or separate you from the two, 300 people who are applying for the same role? So what I always tell people, in addition to working with recruiters, why don't you utilize your network on LinkedIn? Do you have a friend or a former coworker or a manager who you used to work with who's currently, you know, friends with uh, the hiring manager at a company you're actually applying for? Hey, Bob, can you please introduce me to the hiring manager at XYZ company? Because I'm really interested in doing this position. Or can you recommend me to this person? In addition to applying for the job, I think it really increases your chances of meeting the hiring manager than you just submitting your resume. So... For many people may not have considered working with recruiters because they just go on whatever job boards, do the posting, and their first entry to the recruiter may be just responding to a job that they've submitted for. And that's how they realize like, oh, it's an employment agency and not the actual company. So how do you go about finding a recruiter and building the relationship with the recruiter? Are there certain places that you could search for recruiters? What, yeah. what, what's your recommendation? Absolutely. So first you want to narrow down, do, you, do your research on Google. What are the top uh, agencies who specialize in whatever industry that you're in? That's, top, that's step one. So when you find your top you know, two or three staff agencies that you're considering, go on LinkedIn and find out who is working, which recruiter is working um, at that company and send them a message directly or even call the company and ask for that person like, hey, I'm really impressed with your background. I really think uh, you can really help me find what I'm looking for. Can you help me? So first finding out which agency you want to work with, depending on your reputation, and then also contacting the recruiter that you feel confident that can help you find the, find your, um, your next uh, job. Job opportunity. Great. So, all right. So in addition to, okay, so finding a, a, a recruiter, establishing a relationship with the recruiter, that recruiter and leveraging your network is an other option. Yeah, so in terms of, okay, so I'm looking for a job dun, 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 and so establish a relationship with a recruiter. What else should I be thinking about when I'm ready to be in the market? Um, for a new opportunity? What's realistically the length of time that people are looking at when they're looking for a job? Um, Honestly, it really depends, Mm -hmm. right? It it literally can take two weeks to six months to a year, unfortunately. Um, It really depends on a level, like in the industry that you're in, like for example, if it's a very specialized industry, it's probably very limited, the job opportunities for you right? Because you don't have a lot of options. Um, I would say um, there isn't, it really depends. There's there's people who are, you know, obviously clearly a good fit and they've been looking for a job for six months to eight months. It's really hard out there. Mm -hmm. So I always tell people, you know, think outside the box, you know, do you have other um, friends who are in the industry as well? who are working with recruiters successfully, they could refer you to the people that they're working with. Like, hey, which recruiter replaced you at this company? Can you connect me with that recruiter to see if they have any opportunities on the table? A lot of people, when you're working with a recruiter, it's like having a lawyer mm-hmm. for a job, 
right? Anyone can write a resume. And a lot of hiring managers have their own objectives that they deal with on a daily basis. They don't have the time to go through two, 300 resumes, right? What they're doing is they're relying on a systematic uh, process where they have a applicant tracking system who is, or it is, automatically rejecting your resume because you didn't put the right keywords on your resume or you didn't match what they were looking for based on what you wrote on your resume. So having a recruiter is like representing you as a lawyer. So they'll say, okay, Gael, um, in addition to whatever, she also mentioned she's able to do X, Y, Z, something that's not on your resume. So it increases your chances, especially if they have a really close relationship with the hiring manager, it increases your chances of getting your foot in, door, your foot in the door in that organization than you just submitting your resume and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, and also, I, I know this might sound obvious for some people, clean up your social media. A lot of hiring managers are professional stalkers, right? <laughs> I'm serious. They'll go the extra mile to see if, if they see, like, if they see something on your social media, they're going to ask themselves, can I see this person representing our company outside of work, right? So you have to ask yourself, Google yourself, honestly ask yourself, would I hire me? And if not, you got some cleaning up to do. Mm. Would I hire me? Yeah, Google yourself and say, okay, if I was looking for a position and I was a potential candidate and I saw whatever I saw on Google, would I hire me? And if, that, if the answer is no, you, need, you got some cleaning up to do. Wow. Um, very interesting. From my personal experiences, I've had, um, I've gotten into a lot of jobs thanks to recruiters. And based on that, I've had a network that has allowed me to not necessarily need a recruiter, but the HR manager knows someone and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've switched industries. So that luxury that I had is not the same where it's now I have to build from scratch because the recruiters I know specialize in one industry and I'm in a completely different industry. Uh So going back a little bit, um, the resume, Uh what about the resume are we doing wrong? So first we tackled, okay, I'm interested in getting a job. We, we don't only tackle job boards, we create relationships, and we don't only leverage our network, we should also make sure that we're creating a relationship with a recruiter. So those are three, we're, we, we want to tackle it from all three points. And we should work with more than one recruiter, and a good recruiter will do this. They will say, tell me all the jobs that you've applied to, because they want to make sure that they're not sending your resume to a job that you've already applied to. So that's a really good sign of a thorough um, recruiting agency because they don't want to duplicate efforts. Well, also, mm-hmm. also you shouldn't work with a recruiter who is submitting a resume without your permission because you could qualify for a role. It doesn't mean you're interested, interested in working in- for that company. So this, is, this goes back to what I said, treating the candidate as clients as well. So I might have an opportunity on the table that fits your background, but you might not like the work culture there, or you had a friend who used to work for that company and didn't have anything good to say about them, right? So they want they need to go the extra mile and say, hey, listen, I have this opportunity on the table. I'm working with XYZ. Is this an opportunity you want me to submit, you know, you know, present to the hiring manager? Mm-hmm. And after, you know, 
they agree to it, then that's when they would submit your resume. If you have a recruiter who's submitting your resume without your permission, uh, yeah, without your permission, you should be looking for a different recruiter because at that point they're commission driven, and they only care about making a placement, and they don't care about, you know, what your thoughts are. Because what if the hiring manager actually wants to meet with you, and that recruiter comes back to you and say, well, you know, I submitted your resume. The hiring manager is really interested in meeting with you. And you're like, well, I'm not interested in meeting with them. It makes you look unprofessional as a candidate. Yeah. So it's kind of like a bad rep on you mm-hmm. because a recruiter didn't even take the extra step to even ask you to begin with yeah. before wasting their time. This is a good point. Really good point. So quickly, let's go to the resume. What are some things or mistakes that people are, are common mistakes on resumes, especially now in the age of applicant tracking systems and all these AIs that are scanning for keywords? What are, what are, what are things that you are seeing and what are tips that you can offer in terms of resume? The resume? I'll use Indeed as an example. So Indeed has an algorithm where it picks up all the keywords to match the job description of what you're applying for. Right. So I'll use, I'll use a real life example. So, you know, we're searching for a real estate paralegal, just an example. And a lot of these paralegals would put RE paralegal, assuming that the system will pick up real estate. So it's very important that any abbreviations, uh, any acronyms that you have, just write it out on your resume. And if you need to put in parentheses, you know, real estate, parentheses, RE, mm-hmm. you can do that. But just putting, you know, acronyms all over your resume, the system's not going to pick it up, especially if it's not on the job description. So, and it's really important that every job, unfortunately, that you apply for, you kind of have to make a few tweaks on your resume. So if you see a lot of keywords that's being thrown, thrown around the, the job description, you want to make sure it's listed on your resume. So this way, whoever's reviewing it, they can see that you had that experience and don't assume they're going to know that you had that experience. Okay, that is a very interesting point because the jargons or like like you said the acronyms you, the system doesn't pick up. And um now let's say you've gone through this process you're job hunting and what do you say to the person that has applied to over 100 jobs and they're like, you know what, I can't even be bothered and 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 feel like I'm just giving up. What do you say to that person? Um, I mean, don't give up, right? It's, I know mm-hmm. it's tough, but um, you really have to, you know, a lot of people, one of the biz- biggest mistakes people do is they do the same thing and expect different results. So after you apply to, you know, 30 to 40 jobs and you haven't heard anything back, you need to sit back and say, what am I doing wrong? You know, like, is there something I could do differently or write differently on my resume to stand out? You know, are you searching, um, the, you know, let's just say you're, you're in human resources or legal, look up the top legal, you know, paralegal or attorney resumes in New York City and tweak your resume like theirs. What are they doing differently? So you're obviously doing something wrong if you're applying 100 dro- jobs and no one is calling you back. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you've gotten callbacks or interviews, but you still haven't landed uh, an opportunity. I always tell people first impression means a lot, right? So as a recruiter, I'll call someone, a potential candidate, and they don't answer the phone professionally. They'll say, hey, who's this? Or um, how can I help you? I'm busy. And they don't realize 
you know, there's someone on the line that, that has a position for them. So getting that first impression during that call, you already lost the opportunity right there. Mm-hmm. Um, so making sure that you're always picking up your phone as professional as possible, because you never know who's, who, who's calling you. Um, so not uh, even, even, even beyond that, let's talk about, you know, recruiters, just ghosting candidates. You've, you've gone through the process of you've done a phone screen, you've done a follow-up interview, you've gone, you've, you've had at least outside of the initial scheduling of the initial interview, you've done an initial screen and the next phase you hear nothing. I mean, after a while you assume that you didn't get it, but why, why the ghosting? Yeah, don't don't assume. I mean, at the end of the day, um, recruiters are humans, mm-hmm. right? They tend to forget, um, especially if you work at a larger firm. You have a lot of clients. So a lot of these candidates, um, they're kind of like a, a small fish in a big pond, right? Because they're working with so many clients, so many candidates, they it's impossible to follow up with everyone. So I would always tell candidates, don't be afraid to follow up with your recruiter and see where they are in the process. Because honestly, there's a lot of qualified candidates that they wanted to move forward with. They just didn't have the time to reach out to. Mm-hmm. So feel free to just reach out to them. And if, if they don't reach out to you and they're not being responsive, then this, that's when that's your, uh, you know, that, that's a sign to work with someone else. If they're not being responsive, mm-hmm. definitely follow up with them because they can be busy. They're human. You know, they have other things that they're working on. It, it could happen. Mm. And sometimes it's, a, it's the employer that's dragging their feet. Because remember, recruiters are liaison between the candidates and the employer. Sometimes the employer is delaying the process. Right. And they don't have an update. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, I there are a few other questions I wanted to ask you. So salary requirements and education requirements. So lately, you know, I've been, ta- I've been talking to a colleague and sometimes they're asking literally for a master's and a PhD just to do an office coordinator position. Oh, Why wow. is the industry, what's this heavy placement on these advanced degrees for, I don't want to say low jobs, but for an office manager, office coordinator position? Um, it's funny because I used to recruit for those roles in my last position, a lot of care coordinators. Um, I don't know. I mean, in my last position, that wasn't a requirement. Um, from my experience, um, a degree doesn't mean anything if you can't do the job, right? And you also can't train personality. So mm-hmm. I would rather, for, in a position like that, I would rather someone who has uh, transferable skills uh, with an amazing personality um, than someone who has all the skills and degrees with no personality in that type of position, especially if you're dealing with um, client facing and stuff like that. I don't understand um, other organizations who are asking for PhDs and stuff like that, unless there is, um, unless they're paying more for the position. No, then no, I literally saw the job description and it literally was, Hey, Greek clients do office inventory, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, a minimum of a bachelor's degree, master's preferred. I was like, what? Uh, you know, so a lot, of, a lot of these organizations don't have, you know, someone like my background to tell them, like, this is not a requirement for a position like this. Mm-hmm. They're just assuming, you know, the higher education, the better for this role. And it's not the case. So I think it's just a lack of um, knowledge on their end. 
especially if they don't have someone in-house teaching them um, the best way to find the best candidate. Because it's, it's really beyond a degree, especially in a position like this. Yeah. Um, so I just think it's a lack of knowledge on their end for that organization. All right. So my final question, we are in fourth quarter, year in review time. Is now a good time to be job hunting in terms of starting for the new year? And what should anyone be doing to prepare for, you know what, I'm going to see what bonus I'm going to get at the end of the year. Mm, I'll see what the new year holds. How can we start preparing for the new year in terms of looking for a new opportunity? Uh, Great question. Um, Depending on your position, I would have, if you have the leverage to have a conversation with your manager, like, hey, listen, I've been here for, you know, X, Y uh, amount of years. Um, Where do you see my position in the next two, three years from now? Get a sense of where you're going to be with that current company. And if you honestly don't see a future there, I would say, and it brings me back to developing a relationship with the recruiter early on. Because usually during wintertime, a lot of hiring managers are also traveling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very important that you do establish that relationship with the recruiter. So this way, maybe in the beginning of the year, maybe from you know January you know to March, they might have something lined up for you based on what you told them. Um, but I would definitely have a conversation with your current manager to see if there's any future there in the first place. Because sometimes a lot of people, they'll leave and say, well, I just find an opportunity and they're, they're paying $5,000 more. But what they're not looking at is, okay, is there any work-life balance there? Or am I working extra hours now? Oh, I actually don't have this benefit anymore like my last job. So you want to make sure that you're not making mistakes based on just a, a salary increase. Um, so just looking at all those aspects to make sure that, you know, what are my deal breakers? Mm-hmm. What, would I, what, what are the positions I will accept and will definitely not accept? Just write that down and say, listen, if they don't have this work culture, I'm not going to work there. Because you want to make sure you're not downgrading at the end of the day when you are searching for a new role. Um, so that's the advice I'll give for job seekers. You just said something that made me pivot to another question. <laughs> so, um, you know, companies go through different cycles and stages. Some, a lot of times, you know, I've, I've seen, I've spoken to recruiters who are like, well, yeah, this company's going through restructuring. So if you're if if you are looking for a job and a company says they're going through restructuring, you you may you have a choice whether to stay at that job. But what if you're an employee at the company that's going through the restructuring? Mm. Is the strategy to jump ship the herd effect because everybody's leaving, go out the door, or what is a strategy that is is there a good strategy to staying? and leveraging a new role, a different role? What are your thoughts on that? That's a good question. Uh, th- it really comes down to your position, right? Um, there's times where you reached your cap where you can't move anywhere in a company and most likely will get laid off during, during that restructuring. And there is opportunities for people where they could transfer to a different division or department where they don't have to completely leave, but they might have to um, start fresh in a new position. So it really comes down to your position, right? And the department that you're in and the organization, the size of the organization. Um, I'm trying to use a real life example here. Um, I would say human resources, because it's very, it's very easy to 
you know, move from one position to another in human resources. Let's just say they no longer need, you know, a business, HR business partner for some reason. They thought they needed it two years ago. They don't need it. But there's always a need for an HR manager at a company. So there is ways where you can say, hey, listen, I know my position is no longer needed, but is there a way I could kind of transition to more of an HR manager? Or maybe can I join a talent acquisition team to be an additional resource instead of me looking somewhere else? You know, but if you are in a position where there is no way for you to transfer to a different division because it's too specialized or they just don't have that type of flexibility, I'll definitely keep your options open and, and look immediately. Because um, at the end of the day, companies, they, they really don't care. They'll replace it the next day if they need to, mm-hmm. right? Um, you have to look out for yourself and just make sure you keep your options open. Even if when you're not even looking for a job, a recruiter reaches out, reaches out to you on LinkedIn, at least hear them out. Yep. I learned that. <laughs> Don't shut them down because you're not looking because you never know what they're presenting you. So um, that's the advice I would give for a job seeker or whoever is, you know, panicking if there's some restructuring at their company. I'm pretty surprised we didn't touch on during the interview process, but maybe that'll be another time. Yeah, because I think during the interview process is just an, an entire episode of its own because you think of prepping for the interview, people asking you questions, but we could definitely talk about like the illegal questions. Most people know that, but I think the the issue that I find people are having, they're not even getting to the interview stage yet. It's everything before the interview stage. So that's why I wanted to touch on, you know, what are people, you know, first, if, even if I'm not looking, entertain, a recruiter reaching out to you because you don't know what they're presenting. Mm-hmm. If you started to look, make sure that you are spreading your, your options where you're, you're doing the job boards, you're doing, um, you're, you're leveraging your network and you're reaching out to, uh, you're building a relationship with at least two recruit at most two recruiters. Mm-hmm. And then you're making sure. And, and if you have a good recruiter, a good recruiter, in my experience, that will tell you what needs to be updated on your resume. Mm-hmm. So that's one benefit of really having a recruiter. Cause you have those eyes. If it's this role that you've had a conversation, I let's say Gaia, I've had this conversation with you this role comes across your desk and you're like, Hey, Carrie Ann, you don't have this on your resume, but I know you've had this experience. Uh-huh. You need to make some updates to your resume so I could submit you for this. Cause I know you could do this. Right. Absolutely. So, so those are like the conversations that I wanted us to have here in this episode, because for whatever reason, the applicant tracking system situation is real. You can't get past that. I can't get past so- it. If you don't have the right words. So another episode we could talk about the interview is just that, you know, we're, most people aren't getting past the phone screen, you know, and the phone screen is literally the other person, depending on the time of day, you know, is it morning? Is it afternoon? Is it evening? Did they eat lunch? Is it too late? Is it too early? You know, and depending on their mood doing this phone screen and, you know, I've had phone screens in the past that went great. And then it was like, I ain't hear nothing. I sent a follow-up email, nothing. And then, right. you, you know, so it, getting to getting past that to the interview stage is like a whole different conversation, but I really appreciate that, you know, this information in, in and of itself, because year end is typically the time when people look to jump. And it's also the time when companies set budgets. So they kind of have an idea of, 
what they're looking for in the new year in terms of hiring needs. Absolutely. And also just to touch on just one more thing on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. A lot of one of the biggest mistakes I've noticed with job seekers is that they write this generic long message to get the hiring manager's attention. And, and you don't want to do that, right? At the end of the day, people work with people that they like and trust. Mm-hmm. So you want to you want to go the extra mile and say wow, I'm really impressed with your background. I would love to have the opportunity to be under your leadership. I feel like I could learn a lot from you. You'll, wow. you'll point something out on their LinkedIn and make a personal connection and say, you know, it's always good to put a face to a name. You know, I, I, I would love to meet with you and discuss this position. You know, like make it more personal and not just write this long, you know, email or message. Just, at, you know, just find something there, even if they went to the same school as you. Oh, I'm also alumni at, you know, Boston University. You know, like, can I please, you know, meet with you for this position? Because I really think I'm a good fit for these following reasons. Are you open to having a conversation with me? And when you add a question to your message, you increase your chances by 55% of them responding. What is not a question, they feel like they're not obligated to respond. respond yeah. So if you put a question there, they feel like they're, they're like, oh, I kind of have to respond to this now. Mm-hmm. I think the challenge is that issue of that cold reach out, you know, that cold message on LinkedIn. Um, because we don't, you, you're never really taught how to do that. How do you reach out to this hiring manager and say, hey, I like, I mean, the way you've worded it is just, it's perfect. But I think the practice of how do I reach out to a hiring manager borderline, like, Hey, I'm interested in this job. Can we talk about it? Versus, you know, you saying something like, I noticed that we have this in common, would love to connect with you to learn about this job. When would you be available? Something it's, it's, it's that art or that practicing that muscle of doing a cold email. And then I think the other part of the cold reach out or message via LinkedIn is that rejection, the instant rejection. Well, listen, the worst thing that can happen is a rejection, yeah. right? No one yeah. shot you. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, you have to take risk, especially if you're in a market that's super saturated, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I mean, a lot of people say, well, I don't like sales. I'm not in sales. In reality, you are in sales. You're selling yourself. Yeah. You're selling your resume. You're selling your skills, right? Even if you get your foot in the door, Sometimes you're not selling yourself properly because you feel like your qualifications are enough and it's not, you know? So making sure that when you do get your foot in the door, you're giving them real life examples that you actually could do this job successfully and not say, yeah, I'm a hard worker. I've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah, but you could be doing this for 10 years wrong. It don't mean anything. It's just cliches. You want to you, you wanna sit there and say things. If you were the hiring manager, what would you want to hear? What do I have to say for them to hire me? You know, like one of my, what, be, the beginning of my career, you know, one of the, you know, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I have fun with it, right? Because my personality. So I'll sit with the hiring manager at the end, you know, they'll say, do you have any questions? I'm like, well, have you heard of build a bear before? Yeah, I heard of build a bear. You know, if you could build your own candidate right now, how would they look like? And they'll say whatever they're looking for. I say, well, look, you're looking at your bear. Mm-hmm. I have everything that you just, you know, I, and then I'll, reassure them everything that they said like you said you know the payroll thing i did this for x y you know amount of years at this company and i executed x giving them examples of what they said so you're just building credibility that way giving examples yeah so that's pretty much it i like that question 
I'm, I'm not going to frame it like builder beer, but I do like that question. Um, and, and, and I mean, a lot of times you, the, the approach is, you know, you sell yourself, but I, I always try to find opportunity to say, you know, one of the questions that I've asked is like, what, what did, what is it that you're looking for this role, looking for in this role that you, you feel that I have? Cause then I also want to gauge like what strengths they're like relying heavily on because mm-hmm. it gives that sense of, okay, they really like the strength. And then I'll also know without them a- answering what part of this job that they're like, mm, maybe she don't have this just yet because there's an opportunity to say, well, yeah, you know, I've done this, you know, I'm a, and maybe you want to play up your fast learner, but I like that build a beer thing. I think it's slick. I love it. Because uh, sometimes I like to have fun with it, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, you want to show them your personality. Like, yes. this is a person. It's like, you know, it, it's like a marriage, right? Mm-hmm. And I always tell people I'd rather wait long than marry wrong because you're, mm-hmm. you're in a marriage with someone with no benefits. You coming with the sayings today, boy. <laughs> want to make sure that, you know, if you don't see yourself working with that hiring manager, it's on to the next. Because it's a two-way street. At the end of the day, they need you. Yeah. You are what they need for them to function. Yeah. So don't ever, you know, remove the title, you know, CEO, CFO, or director. At the end of the day, they're human, right? And and the question is, can I see myself working with these people for these yeah, people? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, how's the work culture like? These are the questions you should be asking. What, what, what do you expect this candidate to accomplish in the next 30 to 60 days? Because you want to know what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So th- and also, this is going to help you with your thank you email, which people always forget. They send this re- just generic, thank you for meeting with me, and I hope to hear from you soon. No, 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 no. You want to say, it was great meeting with you, and I love the fact that you were discussing the 30, 60 day plan. And this is what I, my thoughts are, how I can accomplish these goals in the next 30, 60 days. You want to show them that you're listening during the interview process. One of the, one of the things I wanted to, uh, uh, to touch on. So part of the interview process is now people are asking you for sample plans or sample this or examples of that. And how do you balance um, because I've definitely heard rumors of companies using the interview process to get fresh ideas with no intention of hiring. Um, yes and no, mm-hmm. right? Um, some companies just they just really want to know if you can do the job. And I think that's a really great um, interview practice for a hiring manager because it really shows, like, can you really do the job? You know, in my last company, I did that. They told me, hey, can you tell me if you were if you were hired today, what 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 are you gonna do the first 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days? Mm-hmm. And they're comparing it to the other candidates. They want to see exactly what can you bring to the table. So it's actually a really good practice for the hiring manager. And it'll save you thousands of dollars each year if you do that, depending on the role. That's interesting. But yes, I I've 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 used that strategy a couple of times. Um, Very great. It's a great strategy. All right. All right. Well, Gael, thank you so much. Um, I know, again, this is, we're in that critical third quarter, fourth quarter. And, you know, this is the time when everyone gets antsy and starts looking. And, you know, I've been part of conversations where there's a struggle in terms of people's experience in finding a job. It's overwhelming. It's stressful. 
and you know just give sharing your thoughts on what that industry looks like definitely the strategy of don't only tap the job boards or your network, build a relationship with a recruiter like yourself. And so tell everyone where they could find you. Sure. So our office is on 803rd Avenue, right in Manhattan between 49th and 50th, 28th floor. Um, you could also visit us at U, j- just the letter U, carestaffing.com as well. Go also find me on LinkedIn as well, Gael Mayer. I'm the only Gael Mayer on LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. You know, if I can't help you, I know someone else who can. I've been in industry long enough. I've built a lot of meaningful relationships. I'm all about um, just helping people, regardless if it's not through my company, but somewhere else. Um, and that's pretty much it. Again, Gael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Lots of great information. And again, just kind of phase one of looking for a job. And then we deal with the interview process because that's a whole beast in and of itself. But again, thank you so much. And until, uh, or as I'd love to say at the end of the show, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience. We post new episodes every two weeks. And if you want to learn more, buy merchandise, or sign up for our newsletter, check out our website, carryonfriends.com. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience, produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch, or sign up for our newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com. Or... Find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.